0: Of my family thinks I'm crazy podcast.
1: Mark P. Mark, do you want me to say
2: the whole name or just Mark P? Mark P. You can call uh, me Mark Palmer. Mark Palmer's cool. Mark Palmer's cool. How are you,
3: brother? I'm great, man. How are you? What's more realistic to me is that things like Alien are real. But as far as like we go, I don't think that many prophecies from like Nostradamus to uh, you name the list, I don't think that the that prophecies work. Okay? Any type of religious prophecy, oh well, the the world's gonna end now and then everyone sells their shit now they're homeless with <laughs> a stick in their hand on the side of the road. I did a presentation on Enoch, too. I have a thing on Enoch. you want me to read you a piece of it? Yeah, read me some Enoch. Give me that Enoch action. Why does everything you say to me sound like you're angling up a porn shot?
1: Right, results are what the results are because especially when it comes to politics you're you're hoping that corrupt
4: people will fix corruption good luck on that all i can do is go here's the information it tells me that these suckers are corrupt motherfuckers
1: okay and that's kind of what i do
2: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast i'm your host and with me is my trusty producer jp how you doing jay
4: still doing great
2: still doing great and we have our co hosts chris and mikey joining us today what's up guys
3: hey we back baby
2: <laughs> yep always good to see you guys here i don't know where the hell adam is but uh Who knows? We'll find out. And with us, we have the honor of being joined by the author and researcher, Micah Dank, in the works, maybe possibly a uh, movie, who knows, maybe. And uh, and yeah, Micah, we're thrilled to have you here, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself before I ask you our first question.
3: All right, sounds good. So basically, what I do is I, I talk about astrotheology, which is astrology codes in the Bible. Um, the Bible itself is an astrology book. Okay. It was written one way so that you can read it a specific, uh, a specific way by reading it, you know, verbatim and taking it literally, but it's also encoded. And that's yeah. where all the hidden messages are.
2: So when uh, did you which, first realize this? Like what got you
3: into all this? Like nine years ago, 10 years ago, I was, uh, nine years ago, I moved with an ex who I'm no longer with to Boston for a new job. And, uh, what I we basically we were new out there. We didn't really know people. So what I did was uh, just spent a lot of time on the iPad that had just came out. And I would just YouTube and go down rabbit holes. And I came across uh, two guys named Jordan Maxwell and Santos Benochi. And I mentioned them in every podcast because they're like the OGs of this, you know, and then I just studied them studied their works for like six, seven months, like hours and hours every day i would put in like five hours every day just studying this stuff and then eventually i became good at it and i became able to decode things on my own
2: well i will say you got a who's who's lists of uh of thank yous you know authors usually thank people that help them uh you know publish the book and whatnot but you took get out to to thank Jordan Maxwell Santos Bonacci Zachariah Sitchin which I was like hell yeah and even people like George Carlin and Hunter S Thompson Professor Griff who's another great one that I really love and uh even Alistair Crowley and Anton LaVey so you got some pretty weird uh all over inspiration man I love that list. it's much bigger than what I mentioned but
3: yeah Thanks, man. Yeah, my uh, they they have all played a part in in me learning what I've learned. So what I've done is I've written a six book series, that's fiction, but um, very Dan Brown like, you know, with the cryptograms and the anagrams yeah. and, uh, and, and dealing with the church. The first two books that I wrote about are about the church and all the hidden information in there and the the negative things that they've been doing hidden from the public. Well, what I
2: will say for, you know, I know you wanted to wait till the end, but what I will say for the listeners for a, a fiction book, you know, you do do a really great job of fitting nonfiction in there like I, I skim through every book before I read it and I took time to, to notice the charts and the the bold print you put in there towards the middle of the book and I mean, that's all legit information, obviously fit it within the narrative of the story. But I mean, on mm-hmm. its own, that's a good reference to have. I mean, just for me in my library, like you, you went through the kind of uh, the AD to so and so for each astrological sign. And I'm sure we'll get into that further. But if you want to just, you know, hit get this going right away so my co-host can learn a little bit more. What's how would you, you know? describe astrotheology for for someone who might not have gone into this yet
3: so astrotheology is basically the mythology of the zodiac okay that's basically the best way i can describe it you had the greeks the romans they had their gods mars jupiter zeus um what have you um amongst a million others and that was their theology this is this theology so basically if you go back to and this, this science is old, too. This science, you know, I've tracked it back 40,000 years. Like, are you familiar with the Lascaux Caves? The
2: Lascaux cl- Caves, is that in uh, France? Yes. Okay. So
3: what they did is they found these caves and they went into them. And um, in the back, towards the back, there was all these walls. And uh, they had basically all this uh, all these animal drawings on it. You know, they had fish. They had horses, they had lions, they had rams, they had bulls, you know. I'm noticing uh, the theme here. (laughs) Yeah, so they did. So what they did was they carbon dated it and it came out to about 40,000 years and uh, 40,000 years old. And then what they did was they brought an astronomer and then with a computer because we have the technology to do this. And they rewound the sky back 40,000 years to see what it would look like. And they printed it out and they superimposed it on the wall. And, of course, the fish were where Pisces was. The Mm -hmm. horse was where Sagittarius was. The bull was where Taurus was. So it was all there. And, um, yeah, it goes back 40,000 years, you know. So, basically, we have the Bible now, which is basically an encoded hidden book. Um, And I'm going to try and expose some of that, too. Let's do it, man. Rip it open. Tear down those walls. Sounds good. So there's questions you can ask, like how Jesus was able to heal the blind, how he walked on water, how he turned water into wine, why he had 12 disciples, why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, why he was dead for three days, why his birthday's on December 25th. All that's astrology. And I'm going to explain it to you guys. But first, what I got to do is I got to go through the 12 signs in case anybody doesn't know it. And can any of your fans or or your boys with you right now any of them don't know the 12 signs i have to give you some background information on that so that I we think, can start I with think i think most of
2: us are almost there so let's go through it quickly but yeah okay. i think i think it, it it definitely helps to go through it again
3: go for it all right okay so the first sign is aquarius which is the man with the water pitcher pisces is the sign of the two fish Aries is the ram, and in the the sign of Aries, you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. It's a 12-hour day and a 12-hour night. It's also the Passover, or in other words, it's the passing over. See, the Jews call it the Passover, but what it really is is the passing over of the sun over the equator, and on its way back to the summer solstice, to its height. In Christianity, the passing over, the Passover changes, and it's no longer known as the Passover, but it's known as the Resurrection of God's son, S-U-N. See, the idea behind astrotheology is that Jesus is the son going through the 12 signs of the Zodiac. He's not God's S-O-N. He's S-U-N. Um, and again, Aries is the ram. It's why the Jews smear the lamb's blood on the door um, in Exodus to protect them from God's wrath because they're the people of Aries. It's also why the Jews blow the ram's horn. Okay? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Okay, so Taurus is the bull, and you have to understand is is that back in the day when they were coming up with all this stuff, um, there were no clocks, there were no watches, there was nothing. You had like sundials, you can watch where the sun was, Um, and basically, because the idea is Horus from the Egyptian times, you'd ask where's Horus, because he takes 12 steps across the sky for each hour that the sun's up. So you could just look in the sky and say, where's Horus? And in in nowadays, the word hours is just an anagram of Horus. So that's where that comes from. Absolutely. Um, but basically, there was not – so all they could do is look at the stars or basically – and what they had to do is they had to know when to plow. They had to know when to plant. They had to know when winter was coming. They had to know all this stuff and they could only – they didn't have calendars. You know what I'm saying? So they had to look at the stars. So Taurus is the bull. So when you look at the sky and you see Taurus the bull, you know you have to put the plow on the bull on Earth, because as above, so below, and plant, so that you could basically harvest in Virgo and Libra, which I'll get back to in a minute. But uh, Gemini is the twins. It's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. And it's it's the story of Achilles. Everybody knows that. Cancer is the crab, and it's the sideways-moving creature. So what happens is the sun, starting on December 25th, rises a degree. So picture the Zodiac Wheel, okay? It starts at the bottom, and the sun rises a degree every single day on its axis until it hits June 21st. And then for three days, it stops at that height. It doesn't go up. It doesn't go down. It's the same height. And then on on June 25th, it goes down a degree, comes all the way down until it hits December 21st. Okay, which is the winter solstice. And then for three days, it stays at that lowest point. Okay, which is why they said God's son was dead for three days. Why Jesus was dead for three days is because the sun is dead for three days. And then boom, it comes back to life December 25th. That's why all the gods were born on December 25th.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly, I mean, what I call it is like a, a cult, language that the maybe elite or controlling forces have used to their advantage because we're ignorant of it and brave folks like you are going into this and exposing it putting in fiction so it's more compatible for other people who are maybe not interested in going down these conspiracy rabbit holes you know but i mean yeah it's it's really something i mean is there more to add to that the gods are all born on the 25th that's the day that the sun is at its lowest point right so
3: no that's the day that it rises a degree after it being at its lowest point for three days
2: okay okay that's so, when okay. it
3: starts the starts when it comes back to life that's the, the birth rebirth. exactly okay i just want to hop on
0: here real quick if you don't mind just say so that uh, this stuff's really interesting stuff the first time i was introduced to this concept was back when uh the uh, original zeitgeist movie came out i think the first part of that had a section on this and that Mm -hmm. blew my mind when i first saw it i was like no way did a bunch of research in it it does add up it it's pretty accurate if you look at it in terms of a lot of all of these old stories you notice that they're all the same um or they have Mm -hmm. similar things these different characters are all the same character with different names walking through the same motions But then Mm -hmm. you find that deeper meaning. You realize that these stories, they have meaning. Stories back in those times were easy to remember. And and well, if they had a meaning about the stars and the stars was important, then it was an easy way to teach.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I do is I go in deeper than Zeitgeist. This is a lot of my own work, too, that I go into, but it's deeper than Zeitgeist. But uh, yeah, I've seen Zeitgeist. I've seen that section, too. It's great.
0: They touched on it. I'm definitely interested to hear more. Yeah, All let's
3: right. go deep, bro. Okay, so Leo is the king. He is the lion, the king of the jungle. And the ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So when you're talking about... Excuse me. You're talking about Jesus in his kingdom or in his glory. You're talking about the sun in Leo. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. So remember when we were saying that you plant in Taurus... Well, what happens is in Virgo with the wheat stalk, it's the virgin. The virgins would cultivate the wheat in Virgo. That's why they have the wheat stalk in order to make the bread. Now, Libra is the justice. It's the scales. It's the balance, the just one. The reason it's justice is because it judges God's son as it passes over the equator and the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter. So that's the judge. Uh, The Jews always celebrate their new year around there as well as, okay, um, Libra is the justice. It's the just one. So the Jews have Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement. It's the day of judgment. So that's why they celebrate that then. Uh, Libra is also wine season. So you plant the seeds in Taurus and then you get the grapes and you make wine in September, October in Libra. So you got the bread in Virgo and the wine in Libra, which Mm -hmm. is the bread and the wine. Scorpio is the scorpion and he is known as the betrayer. And the reason he is is because when a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. And it's where the mafia gets the kiss of death from. That's where that metaphor comes from. And it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss because Judas is Scorpio and Jesus is the son. So it's judged in Libra and it's betrayed in Scorpio and finally in Sagittarius. It's where the bow in the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun okay and in the bible it actually becomes a spear uh the bow and arrow becomes a spear and i'll get to that passage too um but basically we know that it's the dead of winter it's december 21st the sun is dead Um, so the sun dies in sagittarius so anytime they're talking about death or jesus dying they're talking about him in sagittarius and then finally capricorn is the goat so do you guys have any questions just based on those 12 signs?
0: Um, if no one else can ask, what is,
3: is there anything to the goat? Well, the goat starts at the bottom. Uh, the zodiac wheel, the goat is at the bottom. Capricorn's at the bottom. So think of the sun climbing like this one degree along the zodiac wheel. Okay? It starts to climb up the mountain just like the goats climb the mountain. Oh,
2: fantastic i mean the symbolism is there man i'm happy to let you keep walking us through it because you know i'm 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 familiar with all of this um and i i just want you to get through the your presentation because i think it's all important and i'm sure the listeners haven't heard all of it
3: okay so have you heard of the phrase pride comes before the fall i'm sure everyone has of course yeah yeah. all right so can you explain that to me or for your listeners what, what you think it means
2: well, it would be, you know, somebody having too much of an ego leading to their downfall somehow, possibly, right? But it's also a uh, another way of saying that a pride of lions comes before the fall, right? Is that what you're implying? Leo is yes. the uh, is the pride before the fall because Leo is in August, which is before
3: fall? Yes, that's exactly where I was going with that. If
0: somebody wanted to counter this or try and argue against this, there's just way too many coincidences, if you wanted to see it from the perspective of coincidences, to just be coincidences. It seems pretty much like, as you were saying, this is like a code.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it is clearly a language. I think people who get one example of it are, are able to dismiss it. But then when you hear the consistency, I mean, Micah does a good job of laying it all out one after another um And I, yeah, I agree with you, Mikey. I don't know how people could have uh, a lot of doubt as far as the symbolism goes, but you know, I hope we can get into some of the implications of of this symbolism. So pride before the fall. Then what's next? We got Virgo, right? Is after Leo?
3: Yeah, no. But my next thing that I was going to say is um Jesus supposedly comes this in the Book of Micah, which is my namesake. Um, Jesus, I mean, sorry, Micah says that the Savior is going to come from a town in Israel called Bethlehem. Okay. Right? Well, Bethlehem is a combination of two words in Hebrew. It's bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So it's the house of bread. Well, I already told you that Virgo is the lady with the wheat stalk. That's the house of bread. So the Savior is going to come from a virgin, See how that's encoded in there? Of course. So if you go even deeper to, let's say, the, the nicknames, you know, the, 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 how Jesus is known as, you know, you've got, you got Capricorn, the goat. He's known as the scapegoat of Israel. You've got Aquarius, the man. He's known as the son of man. you got Pisces. That's the two fish. You know, he's known as the fisherman of men. And it's why he feeds the masses with two fish. You know, you got the ram, Aries. he's the lamb of God. In Leo, he's known as the lion of Judah. When he's in Virgo, he's born of a virgin and he's called the bread of life. Uh, in Libra, he's the scale of justice. He's known as the just one. And it's why he's worshiped on the sun day. So Jews worship on the Saturday because their worship goes back to the planet Saturn interesting but the
2: uh christians to to get in there real quick does that connect to the ram at all saturn and saturn symbol and and the ram no 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 no. you're talking
3: about the 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 thing like this
2: yeah no okay keep going
3: okay so we got that so basically i can start giving you some uh Just a couple of these, uh, what do you call it, Uh, passages, if you want to start decoding them. Yeah, please. The the first one's going to be completely obvious to you. Okay? Okay. Um, But I'll give it anyway. So this is Deuteronomy 32. So he gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky ground. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes, but Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. So you see right there, just how many times it was mentioned in there. It's important to know too, that when he says he gave them honey from the cliffs, uh, in cancer, there's there's a group of stars. It's called an asterism. It's It's a small collection of stars. They're known as the beehive cluster. And that's where the honey comes from. It's from the beehive cluster. So that's what that's referring to. But the rest, you know, all about olive oil. That's, that's in Libra. That's when the olives is in Libra um, butter from the herd and milk from the flock. That's the Milky way galaxy, which incidentally is in Sagittarius That's it's middle of the Milky way galaxies in Sagittarius. So you got the beehive cluster in cancer and you've got, um the milky way galaxy in sagittarius so from cancer to sagittarius is the land of milk and honey so that's where that comes from um so this whole
2: passage is is basically a nod at astrological symbolism right now what exactly are they using these symbols to depict is it always just in the chronological order or do the symbols get placed in different sequences based on what the message is?
3: So when you decode, the, because I've done, I've done the Book of Enoch. And again, this works with any gospel, Gnostic gospel that's not in the Bible. It works with the, uh, pretty much any of those books. Um, they can be decoded. But when you, when you decode, like I did the Book of Matthew. Um, which I'm probably going to do on a later show. Uh, But what basically happens is you'll notice is that it's a pattern because what happens is it'll be, they'll be talking about one sign. And then the next passage will either be talking about its neighboring sign or it's cross sign. So it'll go like this, like this, then it'll go like this, like this, like this, then it'll go like this. That's the pattern that these, that these take. And it's all just to hide and basically conceal um, all this information, the information that I've gone over so far, is basically to hide and conceal it from people. Um, At 325, you know, you're talking about the Crusades. Um, But at 325, when Constantine united Christianity, he made it a literal story. But the original Christians, he had a nephew. Constantine had a nephew named Julian the Apostate. Okay? And Julian the Apostate, after Constantine died, tried to bring everyone back to sun worship. Because everybody knew these were metaphoric. See, original Christians were known as helionostics, which literally means sun knowers or sun worshipers. Okay? But... Um, and, and and Julian the apostate ended up getting, he had an arrow shot in his back and died from, uh, he was in a war. And somebody on his own side killed him. So they probably set him up. Huh. But um, yeah, the, the, the greatest disservice that was ever done was that these books were meant to be taken literally. They're not. Yeah. They're metaphors. They hide things.
2: Well, have you ever looked into um, the idea that the Romans took a lot of the Jewish scripture and the old testament and use it to create the gospels to kind of take the judaic uh people and make them less warlike by offering them this kind of uh peaceful god yeah peaceful god to rally behind i mean caesar's messiah joe atwell have you looked into any of that
3: yeah well you gotta understand is that when you're talking about that kind of stuff um 225 years before the, um, before Constantine, um, there was something called the Senate at Jamnia. Okay. Okay. And the Senate at Jamnia was a bunch of politicians and rabbis got together. Okay. And they got together for one reason. This is in 100 AD. Okay. They got together in 100 AD. And what happened was, The reason they got together, and and listen, like the Catholic Church denies this happened, but it's in the Encyclopedia Britannica. It used to be common knowledge. They're just trying to disappear it. But what basically happened was the Old Testament was not canonized, and by that, what I mean is the books were not. There was no set order at the time, so people were reading them out of order. So they had to come and set them in order. Now, to your point before, uh, about thirty years before, two things happened: the Second Temple was destroyed. And in 70 AD, the book of Mark came out. It's the oldest gospel. The other ones are like 50, 70, or whatever years later. But in 70 AD, this book came out. So they had this book, and they didn't know what to do with it. So at this council, they had decided whether or not to continue in the Old Testament or split it into two. So the book of Mark could have literally been in the Old Testament. And everybody would have basically been Jews for Jesus along the way. You know? Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, yeah, I've looked into that.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I only briefly know a little bit about that kind of stuff because I'm getting into a project uh, with another podcast I work for, Skeptico, about Rome and how they use this Josephus character to kind of placate the Jewish people into, you know, being easily conquered. And and they only did this after basically wiping out the druids altogether. i mean for those who have looked into the druids a lot of their you know knowledge has been lost forever but yeah mike i mean i I hate to go off on a tangent but if you want to jump back into where we left off and uh keep going into some of these passages
3: yeah no that's i'm fine either way you want to just you know roll with it we can roll with it i'm fine with that
2: let's roll with it you got something to, to rebut to what i just said
3: yeah, I mean, the, 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 um, the, I forget what the colloquial phrase is, but the jury's basically out on Josephus as to what his true purpose actually was. Hmm. Uh, you do know that the Wailing Wall, the Jewish Western Wall, the Holy Wall, was actually a Roman, uh, it was a Roman wall.
2: Yeah, they built this wall around Jer- Jerusalem to try to keep them in, right? To kind of, uh, starve them out as a war tactic am i thinking the same thing
3: i think it was something similar to that yeah
2: yeah and this is when this is when they were able to basically turncoat josephus and josephus right before he was gonna be killed said hey caesar don't you know these prophecies are about you and that got flavius um you know flavius jose or what's the guy's name Uh, Vespasian Flavius is his name that's
4: a crazy ass name
2: right and his son was named Titus I think and they were they conquered the druids and then they moved on to Judea because they were having problems down there and yeah like you just said Micah they had that wall and I guess Josephus was a kind of byproduct of this battle because he came and said in order to spare his own life he basically told the the emperor like hey this this prophecy that we all believe in is about you and that's where joe atwell starts his research into proving or not proving you know the the validity of of jesus's life i mean he's an atheist it by all res- with all respect to him you know his research is great so i think where i'm coming at it and where uh, alex sakaris and i are coming at it is from a more Consciousness, spiritual perspective of we're not atheists. So let's not leave the conversation in that field. You know, I don't think Jesus being real has anything to do with consciousness or spirituality being real, you know, but a lot of Christians wouldn't hear it that way. That is a problem. What do you think about that? Do you think there would be, uh, any thoughts? Because you did mention Jesus being the son, S-U-N, of God. Do you think that there was actually a flesh and blood Jesus Christ, or do you think it was always just a metaphor?
3: It's always a metaphor. Okay. It so, was always a metaphor. Like these giant books that people worship, like you wouldn't read the Odyssey or the Iliad and take those as legitimate real people. See, they never find – they always find mention of like King Solomon. They'll find like an etching – or a tomb that says brother of Jesus, James, or the Trout of Turin, they'll find this. But what they'll never do is they'll never find actual bones of any of these people. Hmm. You know, they, they don't. They come, they, they get older. They found a church in, um, in, in Megiddo in Israel. It was basically a church that they they uncovered that was under another church. So they dug this one out. And it's from the third century AD. It's the oldest church. Okay. And right in the middle of the floor, there's a giant mosaic of the two fish of Pisces.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, to me, why I really appreciate the research that, you know, Alex presented to me and said, Hey, I want you to help me do this because I think the truth is the elite have their own religion that they worship and hide from us. And they gave us this psyop-ridden religion that manipulates us, and they had to use existing truths in order to make it believable. So there are valuable things within Christianity. Like you say, Micah, there are even hidden codes that can be deciphered. I mean, I've heard from people like Marty Leeds that there is a numerical Gematria type code. Have you looked into any of that,
3: uh, Mike? I do write about gematria, but uh, in my books, yeah. but it's very like basic. It's very basic. I don't, I don't really look into numerology.
2: Yeah, um, my, uh, Marty Leeds has some words broken down to numerical value, and then you take that number and you find that all of these words that are not exactly synonyms but have the same vibration, right? All have the same number. So like death, right? Why is it that a lot of words that are kind of bad start with a D, right? Doom, death, destruction, disaster, disease, you know, you can list all these words and start with a D that are negative in connotation. And then you consider that D is the fourth letter of the alphabet. And when you go to China or Asia, four is evil. Yeah, they consider four as an as a evil number. So I mean, there's always That's Japan. Oh, is it Japan? Well, in China, too. I mean, unless what I was reading was uh, off. Uh, in No,
3: you in, might be wrong, too. It might be the Asian countries, but I know for sure it's Japan.
2: Okay, cool. But uh, yeah, we had we had David Matheson on our fourth episode of the podcast. And uh, he's great in a number of ways. I'm sure you've come across his research doing this research because it's astro theology. But, you know, what I really get from his message is that there's truly a universal aspect to the codes that are put into culture that are represented by the constellations, right? So how how do you think that the Bible factors into, like, it's universality now considering that the conquistadors have spread it all over the world. Do you think that's ultimately a good thing because, you know, it has these hidden messages that can teach us things or like, what, what do you think the the implications? Of well, that?
3: I'll put it this way. This is what I usually tell people. So in the age of Taurus, you had the Egyptians, right? Okay. The Egyptians were the, were, were the prevalent people in the age of Taurus. And you can look at their, uh, their hieroglyphs and you'll see bulls, with the horns and then the sun in between it. I mean, they they can't be more obvious that it's sun worship. And then you get down to the age of Aries and that's when the Jewish people kind of take over. Um, Their their book comes out. Uh, Moses uh, goes up and comes down and sees everybody worshiping a golden calf. And the golden calf was not actually a giant golden bull. But what it was was the sun in Taurus. They were worshiping the previous time period, which you can no longer do. So Moses broke the tablets. Okay, that's where you get lawbreaker from, by the way. He broke the law, and then um, then fast forward. You know, the Jews start to fade, and then in Pisces, the Christians come up. You know, and they're the new world religion. You know, and um, you got the two fish, the Jesus fish. You know, I can go into a whole bunch of passages about the fish, but
2: um, we looked into if these same Pisces or different themes transcend into different cultures. Like were there fish gods in Asian cultures at this same time periods? Or... Uh, have you
3: heard of um, have you heard of, uh, of Mithra or Dagon?
2: Mithra, yes. Dogon. Do you mean Dogon like the Dogon people's culture from that?
3: or Like there's... the fish god.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I think so. I mean, is that where yeah, so that, that comes from? or
3: I believe so, yeah. Okay. So you have... Um, yeah, so Mithra and Dagon, they had fish gods there, too. Yeah. They weren't the only ones, but I'm talking about okay. the most prevalent ones, the, mo- the biggest people. So Christianity spread. And now we're in the age of Aquarius. So is there any wonder why the elites are screaming for a new world religion or a one-world religion? It's because they have to. They follow the stars. This... Excuse me.
0: Go ahead, Mikey. Oh, uh, I was going to say this uh totally builds into what I was going to ask you. Uh, I had an important question, but Mark uh, kind of already sort of answered uh, asked it before, but I just wanted to elaborate further. And that was uh and, and also just to touch on something you said before. You said the Egyptians were worshiping uh the sun and I was just doing some research earlier in the week about uh, Akhenaten who that was his goal was to make the Egyptians worship the sun. And a lot of people that I was reading about were saying that this guy has parallels with Moses. His story is in essence, Moses'
2: story.
3: Well, Moses, Moses comes from Moses in Egypt. It's the same person. That's where it comes from. My question to you is simply, is this an
0: older story that keeps getting rewritten? And as you said, in the age of Aquarius, we're expecting to write it again, or the out there. Oh, sorry. Uh, my my option uh, for the other way around would be: Is this instead of it being just a story that keeps getting written, is this like an archetypal story that keeps getting relived, and these people keep getting written about?
3: No, what it is is it's the only story that keeps getting told. It's the only story. The uh, I, everything that I that I went into before the the December twenty fifth, the dead for three days, the twelve disciples, all this it's the same story. Because yeah. it's the, it's the metaphor. It's the sun going through the twelve.
2: So would you, uh, would you of the zodiac? That, would you say that by you know? Because I've heard a lot of things about the age of Aquarius, right? So when oh that
3: was my point. I'm sorry to jump in. Oh, no, go for this it. This was my point. So like you made the point before that you um, basically you have to rape and pillage to spread the religion. I didn't right. That's how they. Words, but yeah. <laughs> that, but that's that, but that's basically how you do it, right?
2: The conquistadors definitely use those two tactics. But yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, that's how you. That's how you do it. That's how the Jews spread it. That's how the Christians spread it. Okay. Um, all right. The thing is, is that it would be kind of hard to nowadays. Every everybody has instant internet access. We have. We can talk long distance. We could do all this stuff. It would be hard for a new religion to sprout out and spread like a virus. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think that what's going to happen now is they're not going to retell the story. There's going to be no book, no new religion. I think the new religion is merging with machines.
2: Yeah, it's just scientific themes. But now here, I like that. I get that. I want to ask now from that this question. Do you think because I mean, you kind of just answered it, but let's elaborate a little bit so you think that they're not going to take the existing framework and apply new myths to it you think they're just going to go full-fledged into science and kind of push this materialist paradigm because that's what's working for them for the past 150 or so years
3: yes i do 100 percent. 100 percent because it doesn't serve it when you had the bible when it first came out you have to understand is the early church kept it in latin And they kept it chained to the pews, and people weren't allowed to read it, let alone the fact that they were mostly illiterate anyway. Okay. So basically, I've never heard that.
2: That's intense. I didn't realize that. That's.
3: They were chained, the Bibles were chained to the pews. Yeah. And they only read it in Latin. Okay. Okay. And on top of which, people were illiterate, so they couldn't get it. So what basically happened was they would give people little uh, pictures. Yeah, like, like basic understanding, like little sheets of basic understanding. Okay. Um, like surface so,
2: level stuff, basically.
3: Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't... It, 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 the Bible served purpose then. It's not going to serve a purpose now. Um, I don't think. Because too many people are waking up to this. Everybody talks about how the age of Aquarius is an enlightenment period we're coming around the bend and uh this you know through the great year we're coming around the bend and basically people are going to start getting enlightened again we go through cycles is what happens we go through cycles we have enlightenment cycles and then we have dark periods
2: yeah the this from
0: several different religions yeah Mm
3: -hmm. sorry mark no, it's okay.
2: It's all right. I always have a response, so I like it when you guys jump in. But um, but what I was gonna say is that Chris Milligan was just on Tim Fall Hat, and something that he said that was really interesting was that, and he didn't describe it completely, but he basically said that there's a group for each generation, right? There's a cynics generation, there's a reactive generation, there's an adaptive generation, and then there's one other that I forget, and I wish I remembered it because it would put a nice cherry on top. But he was saying that the elite manipulated the, the most recent of this cycle so that the cynics were not cynical enough to really push, to really change. And because, like you said, it's cyclical. I think as, uh, you know, one metaphor serves that I do remember, right? We have the lead, bronze, silver, and gold ages, from the uh, Hindu religion. And what that really means is that every so hundred years, we go from a different age that kind of brings on a new set of challenges and a new set of rewards that push us further along this spiraling upwards of spiritual evolution. I mean, that's what I understand from some of the spiritual research I've done outside of The Bible, but what what does the Bible say about that kind of
3: stuff uh, that you've seen, Micah? I mean, that's a very deep and interesting point. I'm not going to lie. Not much. I mean, I really just, um, the, the way I tackle the Bible is I place my knowledge of what I know as far as the 88 constellations, including the 12 Zodiac. Uh, science. Um, And I I see how it it could plug into it. That's basically just what I do. I don't really go much deeper into that when it comes to numbers. Like when they talk about like 10 horns and seven heads, I don't go into the numerology because that's, I think, I think there's literally no way to prove that. Mm -hmm. I think there's no way to prove it, to be honest with you. I think there's it's up for opinion and everybody can argue till they're blue in the face about what everything means.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I think I made this point on a podcast I was on recently is like when you get into the number stuff, it's almost a bad way to present the information to people because the average person hears the numbers, doesn't want to do the math and thinks that you're lying using math. I mean, that's kind of a simple way to sum it up, but I I don't like to go down the numerology numerological avenue because of that because I care about presenting information in a way that's more uh you know palatable for those who are maybe new to this stuff right and numerology Mm kind of throws all these numbers at you and if you're not mathematically inclined it it's very easy to dismiss so yeah I, I I don't blame you for that and uh yeah, man. I mean, the, the the interesting thing that you just brought up to me, the 88 constellations, right? <laughs> that number ha- had come up today. It particularly, I've spent some sort of money and looked at my bank account and I had $88 in one, my bank account. So it's funny that that number is coming back up again to be numerological. But uh, but Yeah. What what is what about the eighty eight constellations, man? Like, cause that have you looked into like the harmony of that number and how that breaks into maybe like the vibrational scale? Because I know colors can be broken down like that. Have you looked
3: into any of that? Not really, when it comes to numerology. But as far as the eighty eight constellation goes, I could decode a couple more passages real quick that I want to get in on your show before we go. Please, yeah, and uh, I'll show you where the eighty eight comes from. So, I'm going to read you. I did, we did um, Deuteronomy before. That's the Old Testament. We'll do the New Testament now. Okay. So, that's Revelation 4.7. Okay. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Okay. It's important to know in astrology, the Scorpio is the belly crawling creature. So, it's the lowest form of life on earth. But it's metaphysical in astrology. The Scorpio's metaphysical evolved form is the flying eagle. That's why. Um, that's why. Uh, who's the guy that knocked out uh, Conor McGregor? <laughs> K- K- Khabib. Khabib, yeah, the flying eagle. He's okay. a Scorpio. Interesting yeah so you know, basically what that
2: brings to mind though the griffin and whenever you look into this kind of occult information you always see that maybe biblical kind of looking angelic lion faced you know what was it uh, with the wings of an eagle and like it's very mm-hmm. interesting uh i can pull out what? I mean, chimera what, what are you talking picture? about
4: a lion with the wings <laughs>
2: Lion with wings—you never seen that, Jay? It's called a griffin. No, griff- I've seen it. Yeah, griffin. No, wait. Well, griffin has the body of a lion and the head of an eagle. Though the in in occult oh. uh, books I've seen, it usually has the face of a
3: lion. But
1: talking about chimera.
3: Thank you, Chris. That's what. There I'm, here um... we go. That's chimera has having... multiple. Chimera has multiple heads, though.
2: Yeah. Well i also think that the word chimera is probably used within this realm kind of loosely so maybe i've seen a picture labeled chimera that isn't properly
1: what about a a manticore
2: is that what it is a manticore chris
1: a manticore doesn't have like the tail of a scorpion and uh like the body of a lion or some shit
2: either way we're digressing way too much uh Micah, what what do you think
3: nothing i'm just waiting to figure out what animal we're talking about
2: <laughs> well keep going I, I, that was elusive right.
3: so basically if the scorpio is i mean if if the eagle is the scorpion okay incidentally once it's the flying eagle it could evolve again into the phoenix okay okay The first was like a living creature, was like a lion, that's Leo. The second was like an ox, that's Taurus. The third had a face like a man, that's Aquarius, the man sign. And the fourth was like a flying eagle, that's Scorpio. Those are the four um, fixed signs in the Zodiac. Do you know the difference between... um, The uh, cardinal signs, right? No, not cardinal, the fixed.
2: Fixed. So those would be the ones that are on the... uh, Like they... Go with the equinoxes and the solstices. Is that
3: one? no? That's the car. That's cardinal.
2: Okay. So please. So
3: you're right. But, okay. So you have the you have the equinox uh-huh. and you have the sol- the solstice. Right. Yep. It forms the cross through the zodiac wheel. That's the cross of God's son. Okay. okay? So you have the cross. Through that you have an X Got that, it. These Got okay? it. that these form. Got it. Okay. That these form. I'm gonna read you another one from Revelation 12. Okay, I'm going to leave out the seven heads, ten horns, and all this. I'm just going to make this very basic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down, though. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. Excuse me. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. A great sign appeared in heaven, the woman clothed with the sun. That's a metaphor for the sun in Virgo. And if the sun's in Virgo, then the moon is directly under her feet, no? Make sense? Yeah. Then an enormous red dragon comes in. That's the constellation Draco. That's one of the 88. Okay? Draco is the dragon. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Draco is the constellation. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to Earth. That's a metaphor. Draco's tail goes from Aries to Sagittarius, which is a third of the zodiac. I'm with Do you it. see how that's encoded?
2: Yeah.
1: What is it? Uh, what does it all mean?
0: My question, yeah, what does it mean that he flung them to Earth,
3: though? It's a metaphor. It's just a story. It's it's. I'm an author, right? And everything that I write is not uh, a code, you know. But I have encoded things in my books. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. Like, sometimes it's literally just part of a story. Sometimes it's encoded. Sometimes it's not encoded. That's that's what it basically boils down to. So the to.
0: flinging them to Earth is really just to try and uh, boost up this dragon, make it seem, like, maybe to express that it has a, such a long tail.
3: Well, imagine for a second that you actually took this passage literally. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty spooky. Yeah, that's what it's... So you can read it that way, or you can realize, oh, Draco, it's got, you know... A third of the stars flung to Earth. You know, people are literally waiting for that to happen. For a giant dragon in the sky to take all the stars and fling them to Earth. Or, (laughs) do you know what I'm saying? Do you see how it sounds when you say it out loud? Yeah. Uh You know, or basically, you know, you're talking about the constellation Draco. And its tail is four signs of the Zodiac. That's a third of the stars. So, you see what I mean? So w- you read it straight. It's a story. You decode it. It makes sense. That's just yeah. the way I see it. Oh, I get
0: it now. So his since his tail, like, I mean, the tale of the constellation goes across those three stars. That's what he means. Four. like it's like as if the story. So you could imagine it is that he's grabbing those stars. He's going to Yeah. Throw Earth. English yeah English. I, all right. I just didn't understand that part of the metaphor
3: that great. But now I totally get it no yeah you you gotta yeah i mean like these are all metaphors and there's double entendres i'm gonna read you way
2: to illustrate what's going on in the sky through language that's easier that's what it
3: is that's what it is if you know how to read this you know what stars do what yeah you know what what's it's beautiful i'm gonna read you
2: here's maybe why it might be feeling a little bit like well what's the meaning behind this because Think about the difference between our culture and the culture that was reading this biblical message, right? We, I don't work on a farm, uh, every day, Jay, you know, Chris, Mikey, you guys aren't farmers, but to a farmer oh, yeah. knowing, yeah, not yet. Right. I worked on a farm this summer actually when uh, you and I met Micah, but, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, so the, 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 basic thing I'm getting at here is like when you live in that world, what the stars are doing and what the what's going on in the sky is extremely important to your daily life. So, for mm-hmm. us living in these kind of cubicle computer worlds where we drive around in our cars and go to stores and all this stuff, like it might not really make sense as to why this stuff is so important. But plus, well, you, so you got to
3: remember, it's before like the industrial revolution and everything. The sky was clear; there was no pollution. Yeah absolutely you know what I'm saying everything was clear you could see everything as clear as can be yeah
4: and they were probably yeah. all wondering like what the hell are those things that are always there every night mm-hmm. in front of me
3: right
0: people that knew it's like if you know these stories like you could not have a book with you and be out in who knows where on a ship or something and you could remember the story and look up at the sky and and like you'll remember what it means and what you have to remember to know what you got
3: to do that's basically the story of Jesus. That's the story of Jesus and the twelve signs and what you do. The twelve, the twelve uh, zodiac signs that I went over. How I went through all of them with you.
0: So that doesn't apply to the eighty-eight. It's kind of no, different?
3: no. The zodiac, no. The twelve signs are part of that. Okay. Eighty-eight visible constellations.
2: Gotcha. So, but he he's saying, I guess maybe. What I got from what Mikey was saying is, is there more than just the Jesus story? Like, do these symbols get used for other messages past agriculture, past you know, that kind of uh sky calendar, sky clock, or was it purely just a sky calendar and a sky clock?
3: Well, let me give you another passage, okay? This one's a little longer, okay? Right, this one's one that I decoded. This is you familiar with the book of Job, partially. Okay, Do you remember what it's about?
2: It's about a guy who like loses his son somehow
3: or loses his family, right? Kind of. Okay, so basically what happens is Satan, this this guy has like wealth of riches and he's very humble and he's very righteous and God, uh, Satan comes to God and says, if you start taking things away, then he'll curse you. And God says, no, he won't. So they make a bet and they let Satan start taking things away from him. So he loses everything. Then finally, he screams out to God, you know, he doesn't curse him, but he screams out to him and he says, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? And God comes back to him and he basically says, where were you when I did this, you know, right? So this is God's response to Job, what I'm going to read to you right now. Okay. Okay. It's a little long, but I'm going to read it to you. So Job 38, 32, he says, can you lead forth the Maseroth? Now it's important to know right off the bat that the Mazaroth means the Zodiac. So right away, he's saying, can you lead the Zodiac? Maseroth over time becomes mazelot. And that over time becomes mazel tov, which means good fortune from the stars for the Jews. Hey. Right? That's where mazel tov comes from. It comes from mazelot. I was roughing,
4: but I was also muted. <laughs>
2: Thank you for telling us, Jay. None of us are Jewish. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. We all didn't
3: know that. Uh, actually, it's okay. So basically, you have the Lord's challenge to Job, and the first two are blatantly obvious. He says, "Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt?" Right. So those are those are blatantly obvious. Talking about the constellations, right? Yeah. Then then he says, "Can you bring forth the constellation in their seasons, or lead out the bear with its cubs?" So the constellations are the Zodiac, and the bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the Great Bear, and Ursa Minor, which is part of the Big Dipper. Then he says, who can tip over the water jars of heavens? That's Aquarius. Then he says, do you hunt for the prey of the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch when the doe bears are fawn? Mariga, M-R-I-G-A, means deer and is located in Orion. You know, it's interesting we'll the- about that one part, and
2: I'm sorry to break into there uh, and interrupt, but Corvus, right? The uh, Native American astrological sign for the Libra is the crow, right? Because they use animal symbology. So the, uh, the crow is the um, astrological sign in the place of Libra.
3: That's interesting. <laughs> okay. That is very interesting. That is interesting. And it borders on Virgo, so maybe. After How interesting. You know, Right? Should, yeah. Yeah. So let me just let me just finish running through this real quick. So he says, who let the wild donkeys go free? That's Acellus Borealis, which means donkey and is located in Cancer. Then he says, Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's lambda achille, or al-thaliman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side, along with the flashing spear and lance. You remember when I said spear earlier? It was going to come back? This is where it comes back right here. There's two important murders you have to remember in the Bible, okay? Both of them involve a spear. You have the first murder, which is Cain and Abel. And Cain in Hebrew translates to spear. Okay? And then when Jesus is finally killed, he has a spear driven into the side of him. Yep. Okay? So it's very, it's, it's, it's very metaphorical there, too. Um, do you give – yeah, I read that. Does the eagle sort your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle – and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. Finally, he says, "Can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook? That's Pisces Leviathan. So that's Gods not Leviathan, yeah
2: do don't people normally pronounce that Leviathan like when you hear like uh Christian like you know extremists use it, and they're like, the
3: Leviathan. Yeah, isn't that what I said? Did I not say that No. Oh, Leviathan, sorry, my bad. That's right. what I meant. <laughs> All good. Um, but now I'm gonna read you something real quick. Okay. Um Are you familiar with the Roman Catholic catechisms?
2: I took place or I took part in it when I was in my <laughs> well, I went to catechism uh, yeah. catechism class or whatever they call it, and I got uh confirmed. So yeah, I'm familiar.
3: Yep. all right cool might so say, i'm going to read you i'm going to read you 2116 okay okay and this is exactly why astrology is banned for catholics you'll never find a catholic that like will tell you their sign. they think it's devilish here's why because i've shown you examples that the bible is astrology okay right but listen to this catechism, all forms of divination are to be rejected, recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm readings, interpretations of Omen and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear that we owe to God alone.
4: How convenient. Telling you that it is uh, wrong to do what they're doing. Haven't we seen that so many times this year?
3: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jane, Jane, Jane. I'm loving, by the way, not to not to drag the conversation off to something else as I partake. You're not the only one who's going to be smoking all day. Um <laughs>
2: Oh, did you, catch, did you catch me cheaping uh, two points at once there, Mike?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, I am loving what's going on in the stock market right now. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> oh, we just yeah. had a big
1: conversation about the stock market before you came up.
3: Today's been a I, wild everybody day. It's, an, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's the best thing ever. I <laughs> think they should blow up like, dildo manufacturers make them fortune 500 companies (laughs) you know what i'm saying i think they should just go all out with this shit (laughs) you know they've already broken it
4: (laughs) they've broken it they've proven to me that it is all fake
2: who's they fill me in what's going on
4: just like the the people who have been running the markets for like the past 40 years just think that these games are going to fly with us. And, like, we're smarter than them, dude. They're just so stupid. They're so stupid. And we can f- literally see through all of their plays, all of their stupid tricks. They
0: like to wager their uh, their experience as more valuable than uh, recent innovations. So, like, my whole thing is, like, you'll, you'll have, like, some big-time investor dude who's just, like, been investing his whole life. He's, like, a global... E- at this point, and he like like a Charles Schwab or something, and uh, like this guy hears about meme stocks and Reddit and internet forums. He's like, "Oh, get out of here! I don't gotta think about that. Double down." And uh, he doesn't realize at all. He has no concept that that those two things are not only a direct competitor to him, but a massive one like he's never seen before.
2: So, what I'm kind of gathering is you're telling me that people are collectively gathering on Reddit to choose places to invest their money in order to mm-hmm. kind of.
3: It's a little more complicated than that. So, you we'll basically think... have. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, this, this, is, this is fun stuff for me. Um, basic, not that what we just weren't doing isn't fun either. Um, but basically, it, it's like a perfect storm of things that has to happen, it has to be short-sailed. Um, It has to have like, there's a million things that go into it, basically. But basically, it was a perfect storm and a Reddit subgroup just all decided to, to bump up. Do you know GameStop is a Fortune 500 company now? technically yes it is it's insane <laughs> it's worth more it's worth more than jet blue <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they buy video games for 25 cents <laughs> they do they do they offer you nothing they offer you jack shit oh man From everything i've seen
0: it, it was like the perfect scenario backed by also the fact that there is that uh, that bit of knowledge that went public uh, about what was going on with the shorting that just, like, got everybody so in it, in it, and plus all, like, the I think what really, what really
3: did it, what really did it was uh, Elon Musk tweeted about it.
0: Yeah, it got so much attention on there, and then all of the money behind it. Now, at this point, the potential earnings, it's got the whole world looking at it, and it's pretty nuts, because it, it literally was just the perfect situation.
3: But it's not just them. They blew up Nokia. They blew up... Uh, blackberries still on there they blew up blockbuster
1: (laughs) and it's kind of and mark for this for the sake of what you were trying to uh figure out it's kind of like is reminding these elites that the value in these stocks it doesn't come from them sitting there and and short selling all day and, and fucking over everybody It comes from from the people and the people putting their value into what they think is valuable in this case it's, it's game stonks, exactly. game stonks. That's,
4: that's the biggest thing it's like we are the retail traders and we are the majority of the population we have less money but there's more of us right and that's what's happening like it's not a gang up on something it's more of a um
2: take the stock market back i get it i get it i'm with it all right so let me suggest some companies to invest there
4: you in. go there you go
2: backwoods my favorite <laughs> company i think we gotta get <laughs> Backwoods. Get
4: backwards hopefully, hopefully they're publicly traded
2: <laughs> so start investing in backwoods cigars please and then honest tea the other his is favorite his favorite, my
4: favorite
2: ever. please invest in honest tea let's see what else do i love jay what's another mark stereotype
4: Uh, you love uh used books invest
2: yeah
4: invest in prospectors (laughs) mark loves crystals
2: no all right that's enough but
4: heckle mining i
2: i I think i think that's all great i mean like i said on our little pre-podcast when we talked about finances i'm not really inclined to this kind of stuff but if it helps shove it to the elite i'm all for it man tell me where to put yeah. my money
4: oh yeah
2: you know so micah this kind of uh research you do on that note gets you kind of skirting around the fringes of the elite what are your thoughts on that do you have a an answer to like who the they are do you think it's club of rome do you think it's bilderberg do you think it's illuminati <laughs> what,
3: i think what it's it all goes back I think it all goes back to the uh, black nobility in, in Egypt. Okay. From everything that I've seen, it goes back to that. So, um, but there, but there's, there's a reason that my stuff doesn't get – my podcast, when I do it with people, don't get deplatformed. I don't talk politics at all because I'm not alienating half the people in the country. I'm not looking to do that. I'm not talking vaccines. I'm not I'm not trying to do anything that's like 9-11. I'm not trying to flat earth. I'm not trying to do any of that stuff.
2: Well, I'll tell you, you what, know? Micah. I'm anti-vax, and I'm all about 9-11 truth. So <laughs> <have no> <laughs> I'll get into it here.
3: <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I know about everything. I'm not no, like, I get it. Know? It's
2: not your forte. It's not what you choose especially. <laughs> it's not what like. I do, and
3: I stick out of it it's because I don't want. It. Yeah, so that's why I've been able to skate so far. Actually, my... The so what I was texting you about before is that the publicist that you hooked me up with, she's got my first manuscript. So you've heard of Fiverr, right? Where you can get people to like write your stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. Well well basically I had my first book. So I have an English degree, right? But I and I know how to write books, you know. Hopefully they're very hopefully people like them, which apparently people do. But um what I don't know how to do is write a script. So I had someone convert the first book to a script and she got it in the hands of a movie producer, and he wants to have a meeting with the three of us.
2: Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Michelle's great. I mean, she used to work for Art Bell uh, for Coast to Coast Radio after he got off of Coast to Coast, and I was fortunate enough to get hooked up with her, like, around the time I started working for Sam, because she has a lot of people she represents and helps them get on podcasts, so it's a good fit, you know. I don't have to pay her anything. She doesn't have to pay me anything. We both get paid. <laughs> so Right.
1: What's, what's a little uh, synopsis of uh, that book that they're trying to write a script
3: for or did write a script? For? Uh give me 2 seconds. Let me run and get my books and I'll read you The first 3 are out. I have I'll read you the
2: I have your You first, have them. Yeah, I have your first 2 books right here. If you want, I can kind of read the back cover.
3: Yeah, read the back. Read the back.
2: Sure. Graham, a functioning alcoholic and Harvard medical student and the protagonist of Into the Rabbit Hole stumbles across a puzzling communication from his deceased Navy SEAL brother. Graham must work to unravel a litany of secrets, sobering in their implications, not only for himself, but for the past 12,000 years of human history and the secrets of the universe. Had he not in his hungover state opened the email, Graham could have continued on his predetermined successful if dysfunctional path and never embark on the paradigm shifting journey that so loosens his grasp on reality and obliterates not only what he chooses to believe, but what he trusts as fact. With the help of his long-term girlfriend, his quirky Menson best friend, his wild and athletic best girlfriend since childhood and his friend from undergrad at Georgetown who followed him to Harvard for grad school. He sets out to decode this complex cryptogram, which he soon discovers is charged with potential to unhinge the very control that certain government officials are intent at all costs on maintaining. I think I can stop there because the rest of it talks about you, right? Yep. Cool. (laughs) But yeah, that's the uh, that's the first book, and like I mentioned before, it's got some really, really interesting information. I think from somebody who's researching this kind of stuff and then applying it to fiction, that's the kind of timeless quality that you get from writers like Philip K. Dick. You know, people who who are very informed and then weave that knowledge into the narrative you know and i i hope the readers seek out your book series because i know there's a lot of knowledge packed within it what do uh what do you i gotta as the alistair crowley guy you know i did the episode with sam on alistair crowley i put a lot of research into crowley i have my opinions on crowley you listed crowley as one of your inspirations um uh, obviously he's a uh, figure in occult literature, obviously, he's written. I mean, hundreds of books on the subject. How did he uh, find his way into this, Micah?
3: Um, I can't really say because I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say that you'll 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 figure all that out in book six. Okay. All right.
2: That's very cool. All right. I like that. I mean, I still got to get three, four, five, and six. Uh, we could probably work that out afterwards. But uh... yeah, yeah. We'll 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 do that. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's awesome. I I definitely want to have you back on when we uh, when I get through more of it. But um, yeah, where to go from here, man? I mean, is there any anything you can say about like your interest in this stuff when you're younger like what kind of as far as occult stuff because me personally like jay kind of mentioned I have crystals you know I think crystals have meant uh, a lot to me over the years and I've always taken uh my use of cannabis and tobacco as a really serious shamanistic thing uh, I think that's all contributed to my ability to find this knowledge and fine tune my intuition do you think that you know people are set out to kind of find this information do you think you're 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 no i
3: think i think what i'm doing is i'm doing what george orwell did in 1984 what aldous huxley did what jules verne did i think i'm putting truth in a fiction story the whole book everything in the books that i talk about are true the storyline is the story and it kind of allows you to get away with it. Do you know what I mean? You, you yeah. can kind of, the, the, you know, when it's fiction, you can get away with it because people can just go, Oh, it's just fiction. But well, the stories are awesome. The stories. Now, can, I'll, yes.
2: now I'll jump on you though. Cause you mentioned Aldous Huxley. What, what, uh, what do you think of him? I mean, by all accounts, he was probably an elite writing fiction based on his own experience and his, the wet dreams of his compatriots. But I mean, how, how is he, What what do you think of his work?
3: I just brought him up because I thought that his work <laughs> kind of just—he uh, fit. Yeah, just, he's
2: in the science fiction zeitgeist for sure. But yeah, yeah, I've I've looked into him, man, and he's—I mean, I don't know—I wouldn't take any of his work uh, as worth anything now, considering he was like CIA and tied into these secret groups. But eh, you know, there's value in everything, right? Hmm what do you think of Crowley? I mean, did you see um, anything? I mean, I don't think you watched the episode of Tim fall hat, but if you did, you would know that Sam got very angry at me towards the end because we kind of had a dispute. I said, Hey, you know, Alistair Crowley, even though he was by all accounts, not a good person and inspired people to do evil things like there's still value to his, you know, information, what do you think of that? Do you think there's anything within that realm of occult information that's worth getting into, or or do you... every
3: time I think of Aleister Crowley, I think you remember the movie The Devil's Advocate. No, but tell me about it. Oh, you've never heard of the movie Devils? It's with Pacino. Pacino plays the devil. Okay, and he's a very like humanist devil. There's a book that came out by a guy named Anatoly France. This was actually banned by the Vatican, and uh, they used to make people burn it it was called revolt of the angels it's a story about lucifer and his um rebellion against god okay and it goes through it and it's a story of it it's a great book um just very much like that just kind of like it takes a human perspective
2: okay very interesting yeah I mean, for me, I, I kind of had the argument with Sam of, like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater type thing. Like, you could mm-hmm. you could take all of the evil doings that Crowley might have inspired and, uh, and, you know, still find some value to some of the other things he wrote, you know. But, um, yeah, what do you think of, like, the – because I know you wanted to get into, like, the hand signs of the Illuminati. What, what do you think of the actual – you know, veracity of claims that there's like this Illuminati out there in pop culture and in Hollywood. Do you think there's truth to that? Or do you think it's a little bit of misinformation? I
3: mean, after seeing a bunch of celebrities doing hand signs and like hundreds of them, pictures of hundreds of them, it has to be something. Yeah. But um, I guess that, that we should do that for another podcast though. Cause that could be like a whole conversation in itself yeah to be honest yeah
2: got any any little like tease you can give us give us one of the hand
3: signs i mean i'm familiar with this one, one. you see it in this one yeah yeah okay. oh you were just doing it yeah yeah yeah. i'm familiar with that one this one so they're trying to say that this was remember when it was six 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 yeah okay and then do you remember in the news when they tried to turn it into white power <laughs> yeah i, remember. I do remember that yeah you remember that nonsense that shit Um, this is basically this, which is the Lotus position in Buddhist meditation. This is the Lotus position. So you sit like this. So basically this was perverted is what it was. They took it from here and then they brought it up here and then they perverted it.
2: They flip every. I mean, this is something Sam loves to say on Tim Fall Hat that the the they always flip the good and turn it upside down, and that's quite literally what you just showed us. For those who are only listening to this, we took the. You know, I'm sure po- most people are familiar with like the six 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 kind of hand symbol, but when you're holding that in front of you, palms facing towards the ceiling or the sky that would be the lotus position like you're describing and then to flip that would be this kind of hand symbol you see people putting over their eye. so but yeah that that's very interesting I'd love to have you back to get into that and the uh the book a little bit further I mean as the series comes along I I don't know I what do you think you think it's a it's worth it to have a interview with someone who's read your book or Do you want to just uh, hope that I read, that I'm not lying to you and I actually read it one day?
3: (laughs) No, read it. We'll talk about it.
2: Cool. All right. Because I'm never sure because when it gets into like fiction, you know, sometimes people don't want to talk too much about it because then it's like, well, I want people to read it. So why are we going to talk about the plot? Well,
3: I'll put it to you this way. Don't talk about the storyline. Talk about the information in it. Cool. Yeah,
2: we'll do that. Does Does that work? work? Yeah, well you know, we're kind of closing up here. Mikey, Chris, you guys got any questions for uh, Micah before we finish?
4: No, I just wanted to say I very much enjoyed this conversation. Uh I listened to your interview on tinfoil hat with Mark, and it's been great to explore those ideas further that uh, you were talking about. <laughs> okay, seriously.
2: All right. Well, I did ask uh, Mikey and Chris what they thought, Jay. I was going yeah. <laughs> <you, but they
4: laughs> well, to get, but well, I'm sorry. I thought I I thought you said you, Jay. No,
2: you were so you excited. Jay? It's great. I'm glad. <laughs>
4: no, I was.
0: I've loved this conversation.
2: Cool, Mikey, Chris. Yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> I mean, I guess to just ask, uh you have any like, uh, any like sort of future speculation into like how they plan on uh, rewriting any of these stories for the next go around? Uh, yeah, you maybe know what.
2: Maybe, that's a great question mikey thank yeah, you yeah
0: in my perspective if i could just throw one out real quick it'd be uh like if you needed to sell like you're saying it'd be hard to like sell a new religion you'd have to make the big lie again i mean you'd have to make a big lie again and what better way to do it nowadays than they do everything else they just stage it they pretend and actually show real people that are doing things and they just say what's going on and sell it as
3: if these people are the people and then boom, well we have you ever story. heard have you ever heard of operation bluebeam
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. And go on
3: what you're going to say about that. No, just, just basically, there you go. That's how you That's how you pacify everyone.
0: Yeah. I, well, that, that, you, yeah. You,
3: you project I was, a giant religious... I mean, people shit themselves when they see Mary and Toast. You know, like, what if it's this giant projection in the sky? Here's well, the thing, that's though. it?
2: Oh, Mark, you can go. Here's the thing, though. If that is the case, which... I think we all agree it is. I at least have had this suspicion for a while. Then you can tie in Roswell, the DC flyover, right? Those were 40s, 50s. Then we have mm-hmm. what happens in the 60s. This big age of Aquarius, people doing CIA drugs and mass taking in these harmonic frequencies from new electric guitars and completely wiping any motivational potential from the actual activism that was growing in the grassroots. And they replaced it with this paranoia, right? This kind of drug criminal culture, this anti-government culture. And now what's come from that paranoid culture, right? UFO, ufology is something that kind of was born around that time. And to your question, Mikey, I mean, and Micah's point, I think that was very well possibly the new religion and it coaches right in with the whole materialism of the universe kind of scientism that these big academic institutions are, you know, vouching all their information on.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean like I feel like personally I believe like transhumanism – I know that a lot of you guys are talking about this too, but transhumanism being like one of the ultimate goals of this movement and like in essence like that's some nuts-ass crap that you could make some crap about depending on how you decide to tell people about what that is.
2: No, absolutely. But uh, It's
3: important to talk about too by the way. You're talking in the 60s with music. Do you know music nowadays is it used to be it used to be tuned to 432 frequency really yeah uh, yeah which is a harmonic frequency uh which incidentally with the um, with the ancient king list uh that added up to 432,000 the harmonic frequency wow uh, but um basically they changed it from 432 to 440, you know, and that's a discorded harmony. Absolutely. And they used to have people that, you know, who kept, I'm going to give you an example of a couple of people that kept it at 432. Winehouse did Hendricks did Morrison did Joplin did. You noticing a pattern?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And even the Beatles, John Lennon, you know, John Lennon was a big proponent of 432. Let two. Let's start. Put in my music and that <laughs> careful mikey yeah we've got uh two musicians in the chat here i mean i remember when i first learned about 432 hertz i quickly brought it up to anyone i knew who played instruments because i wanted to see like if they knew about it and i was shocked to see like people kind of knew about it but also at the same time felt like it didn't matter and now i think more than ever we're seeing that it matters. So I think you should tune your guitars or your drums or whatever you play to 432 hertz. Um, And yeah, man, the Aquarian age and what that means, I think transhumanism and ufology are probably big themes in that. But that's a conversation for another day. Micah, do you have anything closing out that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners, tell them where they can find you where they can get the books?
3: Perfect. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook and Twitter, Micah Dank. Uh, My Twitter handle is real Mr. Dank. Um, You know, follow me, find me there, friend me. It's fine. Um, My books are on Amazon.
2: Is that just like the best name for a weed dealer? Like, yo, I'm Mr. Dank. Like, yeah, come on.
3: (laughs) I knew you'd like that, (laughs) but yeah, no, I'm on, uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and uh, my books are on Amazon. But um, if you're interested in not giving Bezos money and you want to buy the books directly from me, I'll sign them, you know, and, and uh, yeah, just reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter. We'll work something out.
2: Awesome. Yeah. So everybody listening, please go check out Micah Dank and uh, his awesome book series. How many of the books are, are out so far are all six three, of three, okay, three, great. cool, man. Three out of six. Well, I'm excited to uh to finish them and uh we'll we'll hear from you again soon. Thanks for joining us and uh everybody listening, have a great night.
3: Mark is bananas.
2: Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I'm Don't listen crazy to him. For feeling So lonely.
0: Follow us on patreon.com slash NFTIC. That's patreon.com slash NFTIC.